everyone, and welcome to another edition of the V-Auto Podcast. I'm Lance Helgeson with V-Auto, and I'll serve as your host for this episode. I'm delighted to be joined today by two people who are standouts in the car business, Brian Benstock, Vice President of Paragon Honda and Paragon Acura in Queens, New York, and Dale Pollack, founder of V-Auto and Executive Vice President with Cox Automotive. Now, Hello. there's a good to be here. Indeed. Now, there's a bit of a backstory here on why we're having this podcast. A couple of weeks ago, Dale reached out to Brian to talk about how Brian's made acquiring used vehicles from his service lane a top priority for his business for roughly the past 10 years and how it's led to helping him become a dominant player in certified pre-owned sales across the world. But in that conversation, Brian mentioned to Dale that with the market changing and a forecast for tougher conditions ahead, now might be a good time to do a podcast to help dealers maintain their success as the market changes. Dale thought it was a good idea. I signed on as host and here we are today. So gentlemen, let's let's get the conversation started with the first part of that, which is focusing on the current market conditions and, and where they're headed Dale, perhaps you could offer what you're seeing at an industry level. And then, Brian, I'd like to get maybe a more localized view of what's happening at your stores and what you're seeing there. So, Dale, how about the industry level view, please? Thanks, Lance. Good to be with you and good to be with Brian as well. So what we're experiencing this year from the perspective of Cox Automotive, which is a fairly high level broad view, is what is shaping up to be a pretty decent year. Now, that said, it is clearly not the type of year that we saw last year in 2021. I think everyone understands and would agree that 2021 was perhaps one of the best years for the automotive industry in its history. And, and we're still doing very well this year, but we're not, uh, we're not experiencing the same level of retail demand volume. And we also continue to have uh, used vehicles at an elevated price level, both wholesale and retail. But unlike last year, they're not continuing to uh, to, to climb. Uh, last year, it seems that all the rules of physics were suspended. Gravity was no longer in existence. And cars across the board appreciated throughout the entire year across the board. Sure. That That's not happening this year. We're, this year, we now are, are seeing once again expected uh, seasonal depreciation, not not great, but but expected levels of depreciation. But it is going to be a very, very wholesale supply constrained environment for years to come. So, I mean, just just think about all the vehicles that were not produced in the last two years were not put into service that would otherwise be returning to the wholesale market in the next two, three, four years. There's going to be a big hole in the market in that respect. So, so with the with the supply shortage of particularly late model vehicles, but of all sorts for that matter, uh, prices will remain very elevated, and I and vehicles will be relatively scarce. And this is exactly why um, I've taken up the subject matter of of sourcing vehicles from alternate channels. Traditionally, dealers have sourced them primarily from trade-ins and auctions. And I have to say, and this is what I really love about Brian Benstock. It was about 10 years ago that I walked into your store, Brian, and you said, come on back to the service department, Dale, I want to show you something. And it was about 10 years ago, but a decade ago, that Brian showed me the most amazing system that he created 
to source vehicles from the service department. And this was 10 years ago. This was before anybody needed to source cars other than auctions and trade-ins. And, and over the past decade or so, Brian has continued to perfect it. And, and over the course of the last 10 years, I've been telling anybody who would listen that they need to learn how to source cars from the service department. And they need specifically to go to Paragon Honda in Queens, New York to see it in action because it is unlike any other sourcing system that I've ever seen. So with that sort of market condition of supply constrained uh, wholesale vehicles, um, I believe that this podcast and this discussion is particularly timely and relevant. So Brian, we'll talk more about the service lane bit here in a, in a, in a minute, but, let, but market conditions, Dale hit some of the high level constraints Tell me what you're seeing at your stores, please. Well, uh, we're feeling the uh, headwinds now a little bit. There's some um, turbulence out there. You know, we, we've been lucky in our, our industry, I think. You know, the supply constraint has uh, enabled us to avoid uh, the difficulties that are, I think are going on outside of our industry. Inflation, fuel prices ordinarily would have a devastating impact on our industry. Uh, and right now, the, the impact of that has been mild. It's there. You can see it in some of the uh, lower gas mileage uh, trucks that we, we, we keep. Those uh, are not selling quite at the same pace that they were. But I, I think we've been insulated right now from the uh, economic uh, market conditions that are that, that are going on. And I, you know, I think this uh, creates a very good opportunity for us to make sure that we repair the roof uh, while the sun is still shining, it's still shining for us in the industry. You know, locally, our business is very healthy, although the inventory levels are nowhere near where we'd like them to be. That's been offset uh, for the most part by um, better profitability, better margins per transaction. But I, I don't believe that's sustainable uh, forever. And as Dale said uh, quite appropriately, we're seeing uh, the normal uh, decreases in valuations uh, seasonally adjusted uh, in certain vehicles. And certainly some of the heavier trucks that we have are not selling quite at the same pace that they were selling previously. Well, that's, that's interesting, Brian. So uh, with respect to pricing then, so at the moment, it seems like the, the primary pressure is tied to things that are more gas sensitive or mileage sensitive vehicles, or is it maybe expand across other segments? Well, it's price sensitivity and and of course, mileage. You know, the manufacturers uh, seem to be producing more of the expensive cars. You know, go figure. Uh, and you know, those cars are not as uh, fast turning as the other cars. But everything today is turning. If it's got four wheels and an engine, uh, it's going to turn. It's just at what rate. And some of the more expensive cars are a little bit slower to turn than the less expensive cars. But I think everything's turning at a pretty brisk pace still. Okay, great. Now, given that, I, I want to go to a sentence that uh, I pulled from an email you shared with, with Dale and me just a, a couple of weeks back. And you wrote, the forecast is for stormy weather in our economy and our industry. And I think the time has come once again for leaders to reserve their right to manage their businesses judiciously, effectively, and promptly. So, I like that statement. Could you unpack it for us, Brian? And maybe how does that translate to things you're thinking about or actually doing operationally? Well, it, when we were in the middle of the last real difficulty, that was in you know, 2008, 2009, 
Paul Nygaard of the Larry Miller Auto Group. Uh, I asked him, you know, Paul, how are you managing all those stores that you manage through the difficulty? And he said something to me that I thought was important enough to write down. He said, I, I always remember, uh, Brian, that I reserve the right to manage my business. And as simple as that uh, statement is, it's profound because sometimes I think those of us in leadership positions forget that when the um, when, when something goes wrong or when the when the poop hits the fan, uh, it's we the the owners and the managers uh, that are responsible, and we have to take that responsibility as I know most of us do very seriously. I think right now many uh, dealers are in a profit coma. Uh, we're enjoying a record profits. Uh, almost irrespective of our actions in the store. I think that we're seeing uh, salespeople not as, as a, a, a aggressive, and I don't mean aggressive in a nasty way, but in a, in a good way. Uh, I, I think they're not as tenacious in taking care of the customers. Any of us that have tried to hire a plumber, an electrician, uh, and, and, and order a, a washing machine, realize what that looks like to the consumer when you're told 24 weeks, 18 weeks, I can't get there. You know, if you have a problem, you have it now. And it, it seems that people are not sympathetic on the outside to, to what's happening to the customer experience. And I think we need to be, I guess we just sold the car. Uh, we, we need to be uh, uh, well aware of how that perception can come across uh, to, to our customers when we're being, you know, sort of, you know, uh, hey, we'll, we'll get the car, we can get the car. And, and so I, I think we need to make sure that we jump back in. And, and for us right now, we're trying to figure out how to manage all the difficulties that are coming up. The storm is not just economic storm. You know, Jamie Dimon, uh, of, of course, of Chase, spoke of what's what's coming. Elon Musk has said the same thing. But there's a different storm coming, right? As we transition from the ice age into the Bev age right now, we're seeing the manufacturers are becoming, for some dealers, the adversaries, you know, the competitors. And thankfully, uh, my manufacturer is working with us on that transition. But uh, there, there have been some pretty strong words from some key executives uh, and uh, those those are also concerns that are uh, on the horizon that we need to be aware of. I got to go to something there, Brian. Ice Age, you're talking internal combustion engine. Is that your phrase there? Uh, well, yeah, it, it, it is. It, it is my phrase. You know, I think, you know, I think it's very true that uh, metaphorically, uh, as well as in reality, that many of us are stuck in the Ice Age. And, and the Bev Age is coming, whether, you know, whether we want to or, uh, uh, accept it or not, it's coming. Uh, there's too much pressure uh, from every different direction uh, on that reality. So we have to uh, prepare for that transition from a, a, an ice uh, age of uh, internal combustion engines to this battery electric vehicle uh, a future that is certainly coming our way. So there's two things, folks who are listening. We've got profit coma and the ice age. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate that. Um, and, and let me ask another question uh, here, Brian. And this goes to what Dale was speaking to just a few minutes ago about the success you've seen in your service lane and which, in fact, Dale, uh, you wrote about in your recent blog post. And, and Brian, I want to get to you, but Dale, underscore once again, if you would, why service lane acquisitions are so imperative right now. First, Lance, I think it's important for every dealer to understand that to support their business needs in the years to come, they're going to have to be proficient at sourcing vehicles from multiple channels, certainly more than just from trades or auctions. But when you think about the other channels of acquisition, I think possibly there's no more opportunity than in the service drive. 
because even sourcing vehicles off the street, by definition, those are customers who are shopping the sale of their vehicle. But customers who, who are in our service drive, number one, are already customers. So they've already purchased the vehicle from the dealership. They obviously believe in the dealership. They are servicing their vehicle at our dealership. So they're, they're native to our environment. They typically have vehicles for which we have the service records for uh, and, and know the history of. And, and these, are, these are people who, who are not actively in the market shopping the sale of their vehicle. And, and it's, it's not that we're going to take advantage of anybody, but, but it's also the case that um, if we properly approach them, and, and I think Brian has perfected the approach of, of perfecting the approach of following, you know, finding them in the service department, approaching them, and importantly, following up afterwards, um, if, if we do that job properly, it presents, I think, the best opportunity to get the finest cars and, and get them at, at a great investment value. So more than any other channel that I'm aware of, that service department holds that type of opportunity. And, and Brian, uh, Dale talked about finding, approaching, and following up. It, could you just give us a quick overview of your process and how those three prongs might fit? Well, yeah, they asked Willie Sutton, uh, Willie, why do you rob banks? And he said, well, that's where the money is. And I think it's, you know, <laughs> same, when we're talking about prospecting for cars, you know, the service department's a natural place for us. We have, you know, some 200 service customers a day. And you use the technology. Let's say you use the, the, the stocking tool uh, from B Auto. And you understand the cars that have the highest statistical probability of turning for the greatest margin. And, and then you, you uh, search which customers are driving those cars that are coming in for service, and you make them a priority. You also make customers that have equity in their car a priority. And don't we have an obligation as dealers to let people know that they could drive a, a newer car for a lower monthly payment and perhaps get some cash back? You would be shocked to know the number of customers that are driving uh, leased and financed cars that have over $9,000 worth of equity sitting in their car. That will not be the case you know, forever. And in fact, this is the highest value that car is ever going to have. So I think we have an obligation to share with the customers that information. And then with better information, customers can make better decisions. And with better decisions, we are going to have, we, both the customers and the dealership, are going to have a better outcome. So that, that that's, you know, uh, one of the reasons that that was so popular for us in 2008 and nine. And I think in many ways that those circumstances are coming back again. In, in 2008 and nine, we were in a, in a recession, a pretty good one. And um, uh, many of my colleagues understood that customers go to used cars or look, shift to used cars during a recession. So when we were going to the auction, there were a lot of us dealers there bidding up the price on a used car. Now, can you imagine we we're bidding up the price on a car uh, that customers are going to be looking to get a value in? And by us bidding up the price of the car, there really wasn't the value the customers could be uh, expecting. So we, we decided, where else can we get cars? And we started looking at the service department and it gave us the ability to pick the cars that are most in demand on our used car lots right out of our service department. And I have to, Lance, I have to address something. A lot of people uh, don't realize, many consumers think that this is a bad time to buy a car. And I'm gonna say it's just the opposite. Uh, used car valuations are up by some 40%. And new car prices are up by 10 to 15%. So that increase in the valuation of the used car can more than offset the increase in the price of used cars, presenting an opportunity for customers to unlock hidden value 
right now. And, and, and it could be a very good time for customers to trade out. And I don't think that we as an industry are doing a good enough job explaining that to, to, to many customers. So, I, you know, that's one of the uh, approaches that we're taking in our service department is saying to a customer, you can lower your monthly payment and potentially get some cash back uh, due to the market conditions. And, and, it, and it's a pretty good opportunity for them to take advantage of that. Hey, hey, Brian and, and Lance, if you don't mind, let no. me just let me just see if I can pull out a few things that I learned from Brian on, on this subject. Brian, a few things have really stuck with me over the last ten years, having learned the way that you do what you do in the service drive. And I'm wondering if you could speak to them. I mean, one of the things that really stands out for me is the homework and the study that you do for each service appointment that comes in, such that when they roll in they have no idea of how much you're prepared and how you're prepared to address them. Point one. Point two, another thing that really stands out for me is, you know, there's only so many people on that visit who are going to say, okay, I'll do it. But what I recall is how you really pipeline these opportunities and how you follow up with them on a very scheduled interval basis long after their visit, if they don't close on that first visit. So if you could maybe just speak to some of the particularities about how you prepare for that customer's arrival and then how you address them when they're there and and sort of how you facilitate the pipeline process once they're gone, if they don't close. Uh, thank you, Dale. I, you know, I think what you know in advance, what you know in advance you prepare for in advance and the majority of our customers have appointments. Uh, and, and so we're gonna try and focus on the customers that we see as having the highest statistical probability of purchasing a car now. And I think what Lance and you said before is very true. We already know the customers and they already know us, right? And uh, the holistic value of a vehicle exchange is the highest uh, value of any transaction in the dealership because with that one exchange, we get a new car, we, we, we get the future used car sale, we get the service on the new car vehicle, we get the service on the pre-owned vehicle when we certify that car, thereby, feeding all the profit centers in the dealership. So, you know, when we look at that opportunity for us, and, and again, this is a number I think that may be surprising to a lot of people. When we look at converting 10% of the customers in our database in equity uh, to a new car, and we look at the total value that that could be worth, it could be worth for us $120 million a year. And so you better believe that we're going to take the time to do the homework as we go after that. And, and Dale, that's assuming that we have 10,000 customers in equity in our database, which we do. And that's assuming that we can convert 10% of those customers per month and, and, and have a vehicle exchange with those customers. We're not at 10% right now. In fact, it would be impossible due to inventory constraints, but that doesn't take away the value proposition for us. The most valuable transaction right now, I think for all dealers, would be a vehicle exchange, especially in this market where we're really desperate for a used car uh, used car inventory. And, and, you know, for us, we've got this 747, this giant jumbo jet of a certified used car department that needs a lot of fuel. And that, that fuel is a Honda trade-ins. So we, we have a, a real need for those cars. Uh, we use many of your tools, many of the tools uh, to identify which cars uh, are, are the cars that we're going to target. And then we, we, we comb the night before all the service customers, we confirm the service customers appointments. We ask them if they'd like an appraisal on their cars and, and, and fully 35% of them would like that. So we have 65 or 70 customers a day. Their hand raisers saying, yeah, I'd like to know what the value of my car is. And certainly we have an obligation 
to talk to them. Dale, uh, when you when you speak about messaging, I think this is something we have to be very careful with uh, that we don't attack our customers in the service uh, service lane. Those customers represent the roots of our tree, and we want to make sure that those roots are strong and healthy, and, and that we don't do anything that would hurt that uh, hurt, hurt that customer. And so I think the approach is always sharing information with the customers uh, that, that uh, we, we have an obligation to let you know you can drive a better car for a similar monthly payment, potentially get some money back. And uh, we just want you to know that. And if it's something you'd like to do, we, we can explore it further with you. And if not, that's OK. But we didn't want you to find out from your neighbor that driving a brand new car and paying less than, uh, than you are. And I think especially now during, uh, you know, there's some chatter about uh, we're in a, an inflation or go, uh, in a recession or heading into a recession. You know, I think that makes it a perfect time because if we're in recessionary times and we potentially are, uh, well, it's certainly not a bad time to save some money and to get some money back. And I think many of our customers find that value proposition something they want to take advantage of. And, th and then, Brian, if, if you just speak a moment to, you know, the ones that don't close today, um, how you follow well, up on those. I think this is really interesting because, you know, sometimes I think dealers think that it's a one and done. If we don't yeah. get them today in the service department, we it's just no longer an opportunity. But what you really impressed me on is how you put those deals that didn't close into a pipeline with a very regimented follow-up uh, system with expectations yeah, yeah. of close at different points yeah. in time. Yeah. Well, let's just take a, a, a hundred service customers uh, that come into a department during the day. And let's just say we were able to speak to a good percentage of those customers. And let's just say uh, at first blush, we're able to sell four cars. Uh, that would mean that we missed 96 customers. Uh, those 96 customers then uh, get dropped into a, uh, a business development center funnel. And we're going to follow up with those 96 customers. And I think with decent follow-up, we can get another four transactions out of that. And, and again, many times, Customers are in for a service. They're not quite ready to buy a car, and, and you, you scratch an itch for them. And, and all of a sudden, we'll find that many of those customers are visiting our website and, and doing a little bit more research, maybe doing more research on the trade. Uh, but we, we can almost match in productivity the same amount of sales. And it would give us, in, in the example I just gave you, Dale, uh, a book, uh, eight sales on that day's book of business. The, the, the better part of that is they stay in a Ferris wheel and we continue to follow up with those customers. And, and then that uh, process gets repeated tomorrow, right? We have another, let's say, 100 customers coming into the service department. You know, first pass with the uh, customers that are most likely to do business. We'll get three or four out of that of those customers. And then with follow up, get another a couple. The, the, the target number uh, right now with low inventory levels is to get 200 uh, transactions out of the service department. Uh, every month and to get anywhere from 150 to 175 trade-ins. And when you start looking at the value of those transactions right now, being what they are, it's several million dollars a month in revenue for the uh, for the dealership. And who'd, who'd ever known that, right? From a department we didn't have. Uh, and it's, it's, it's kind of gratifying to see that, that it's there. And what's really impressive to me, and I said it earlier, is you've been doing this for 10 years or more. I mean, long before the need ever arose to have to do this, you were doing it. So so kudos to you for doing that. Dale, you know, Wayne Gretzky, the hockey player, said you got to skate to where the puck is going to be, not not where it is. And uh, yeah. th thankfully on this one, we were a little bit ahead of where the puck was going to be. I have one other kind of in the weeds question, Brian, as maybe a final point related to service lane acquisition. 
And that is in, in my conversations with dealers who maybe tried, tried it or thought about it, it, there's a friction between the service department and the sales department over that customer. So how have you mitigated that particular pitfall? The customer is my customer. It's not sales or the service department's customer. Okay. It's the dealership's customer. And, and um, one of the ways that we offset that is, you know, we the service advisor who spends time with the customer, if we are uh, taking that car and we're going to certify that car, then we credit that service advisor with the certified RO. In other words, you know, if, if uh, that service advisor is recommending service and we uh, tr transfer that and that becomes a a sale transaction, well, we're taking that car in, it's still going to need the, the work and probably even more to pass Honda's requirements there. So typically the average service advisor is producing about two, two and a half hours per RO. And typically for us, the average um, CPO RO is about six, six hours. So the, the, the service advisors kind of like it when we do it, instead of getting two and a half hours and sometimes pulling teeth, uh, they'll get six hours and uh, there's there's really no uh, resistance there. So, you know, I think, uh, Lance, you brought up a key point. You know, what's the the weakest link in the chain is, is going to cause that chain to fall apart. So we have to make sure that we understand the ecosystem in our particular store and what those uh, constraints would be. Is it a is it a, um, a service advisor that's not going to play ball? Is it a, 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 a porter or a greeter that's not treating customers uh, the right way? Each and every one of those steps of the way has to be anticipated and again i can't tell the dealers what to do but that money when we're paying the service advisor for a certified ro is the least expensive uh, expense we can have in the transaction process totally totally understood brian well thank you brian and thank you dale for spending time with us and sharing your perspective for the podcast i appreciate it lance it's and dale, pleasure. yeah pleasure thank you and for all of you tuning in thank you for doing so we look forward to the next time. Until then, stay well.